Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Oscar Valencia. He is a business coach and a team building specialist. He's been in the industry for a very long time, and he's here (laughs) to tell you a little more about himself and about his journey in our business. Welcome, Oscar. Oh, my God. Thank you, Elaine, for having me. What an honor to be part of your amazing program. So nice to have you. Where are you coming from? You're Georgia, correct? I am in Woodstock, Georgia. Yes, ma'am. Outside, probably 45 minutes outside of Atlanta. And I've uh, been back in Georgia for a little over two years now. I lived here for about 10. And then about four years ago, I kind of ended up on a little walkabout around the country. <laughs> ended up in Wilmington, North Carolina. I went to go be a beach bum for about three months and stayed for about a year and fell in love with it there. And then something happened. I took a wrong turn. I ended up in Oklahoma for about two years, which was like, wow. <laughs> That was a wrong turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, how did I get here? I know it, I didn't know it at the time. I knew it after I was there, why I was there. And then got back here to Georgia a couple of years ago, where I enjoy being more than a lot of places. That's awesome, though, because I'm pretty boring. I'm the total opposite. I didn't move until... I was in my 50s. Um, My kids were already raised. I was born and raised, you know, 10 minutes from where I ended up living when I was married. I always loved to travel, but picking up and actually relocating always seemed so like such a big giant ordeal. And then once you do it, you're like, oh, you can pretty much live anywhere and it makes life more interesting. So I love that about you. Like, like totally. I can relate to that because I, I didn't move. My first time leaving San Diego was where I'm originally born and raised. I think I was 44 when I moved here originally. And I was scared to death because I'm walking away from every family member, every resource, every every friend, and moving out here to Georgia for a woman. <laughs> Interesting time, but it made me a different man. It made me a better coach. It made me all of a sudden, I went through and walked through the fear, so I was I was able to support my coaching clients in walking through their extreme fears better as well. I love that you said that because that is most likely what we're going to touch on most when you're talking about coaching in any capacity, life coaching, business coaching, salon coaching, the underlying thing in every decision for every human being that walks this planet earth is always fear. It always comes back to fear of things that you imagine to be true and are anticipating happening. And the story in your head is 99.9% of the time, completely bigger and more scary than the actual reality. And, you know, to, to the old adage of everything happens for a reason, you moving, opened you up to a whole new perspective to be on the other side of coaching and, and let people do the trust fall with you because you lived it. So I love that. It was, it was an interesting time and um, the relationship didn't work, nor has many of them. (laughs) (laughs) There's constant learning in everything we do. And it was a huge learning um, process to make that move. 
Um, but you're right in, in coaching and in life where we can be so stopped by our fears, um, ultimately the uncertainty of things that we don't know what's waiting for us. We all like to have this little kind of really great life that everything's kind of safe. And there are those adventurers who go balls out in life. And, you know, some of them I admire, some of them I just shake my head and go, it's only a matter of time, child. <laughs> but some of them are inspiring and some of them scare the hell out of me, especially at the age I am now. Um, and you said I've been doing this for a long time. So I guess that officially makes me old. Thank you. <laughs> Which seasoned, I am not old, just well oh, seasoned. I like yes. that. I'm like an old iron skillet now. <laughs> I'm actually going to be celebrating my 35th year in the industry on my birthday, which will be March 5th. That's I amazing. Actually, Congratulations. I love thanks. that it fell that way. Well, I had to take my damn freaking state board on my birthday 35 years ago. And I'm like, this is going to be the best birthday of my life or the worst. We'll see what happens here. But it turned out to be an amazing birthday and an amazing life and a career. You know, I, I was literally born into this industry, Elaine. My dad was a stylist. Um, he started cosmetology school at 38 years old and I was, I was a newborn and he went to school and most people's path when they come out of school is they go assist somewhere, or maybe they go work for a supercuts or someplace like that to get speed and technique and confidence. My dad came out of school and bought a salon with zero clientele. Wow. And it was a little old five station salon back in the day. And he bought the salon. And, um, and then he had this big dream, you know, in his time, his first salon was called Mr. V's hair fashion. Everything was Mr. Somebody back in the fifties and sixties. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so his was Mr. V's hair fashion and he started it out, but then he noticed and saw that the industry had beauty shops, barber shops and, or like spas or destination spas. And he saw that he wanted to try to bring it all under one roof so then he bought the building of his little five station salon and then he bought the building next door which was a two-story building and then we combined those three into one huge salon in san diego the building still stands um they sold it and retired liquid millionaires in the beaches of mexico years ago nice but it was a, it was truly one of the three big salons in San Diego that were full service before full service and day spa wasn't even a word yet. And we had it all under one roof and it was a powerhouse place to learn and grow and be a part of during my journey. Um, so then when I got into it, I, I didn't have the dream, just like my dad, my dad at 38, his dream obviously as a child was not to be a, a cosmetologist. He did, he was self-employed his whole life. He never worked for anybody his entire life. Um, from 11 years old doing, you know, gathering milk bottles and, 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 and soda bottles all the way to when I was truly the milkman's son. <laughs> and so he was a milkman, became hairstylist. My brother went from the Marines to hair and I went from the Pittsburgh Pirates to hair. And my sister's the only one as a child who knew she wanted to do hair and she's the only one still doing hair at 60 years old um, in San Diego. But it's been... Uh, it was, it was a great life and it was a great industry to be part of. I'm still very much part of it. Unfortunately, what they don't tell you in cosmetology school, and I wish they did, and I tell everybody I can as I speak on the circuits around the country at all these shows for the last 20 something years, I get there, I, I get my hands in a, like a little circle and I'm like whispering to the class and I'm like, it's not if, 
it's when your body will break down. Mm. And nobody freaking tells you that. So my thing, they call me the truth teller when I teach my classes. I'm, you know, I'm a certified coach. I'm a team building specialist. But the bottom line is truth teller. And I said, can I tell you guys the truth? I said, for most people, it's not an if, it's a when your body will break down. So you have a finite window of opportunity to make yours, whatever that becomes. And when you create some sense of urgency for people, I think they play a different game and they start moving towards success quicker. I, again, was not told that. My dad, used, my dad was successful. He was a hustler. He worked his ass off. He was 12 and 14 hours a day, five and six days a week, sometimes seven. And he used to tell me these things when I first got into the business. I remember my first week as I worked there for about three months before I got my license, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> but when I got my license, that first week, he dropped some what I call diamonds now. That week, I felt like they were bombs, like in my <laughs> face. He was, he was confronting me with some major stuff. And he was like, son, if you get about 300 clients, you'll have an amazing clientele and you're 20, whatever years old, you'll make, you know, whatever. And that's going to be a great, you know, that's going to be a great career for you. And I'm thinking to myself, if I have 300 clients, my life's going to look like yours. And I don't want that. Mm. I don't want 14 hours a day and five and six days a week, but I didn't know how to do it differently yet. It was just some words. I never spoke that to him because he would have knocked me out. (laughs) I just felt that inside because um, he was always there for us as a family, as a provider, but he wasn't always there for us, as we all know, for the ones who have been in the industry for any period of time and have done the 12 and 14 hour days, mm, five and six days. A guilty. Week. Yes. Correct. We all know what it can be like. I always tell people in the audience, I'm your child. The one who says, where's mom at the soccer game? The one who says, where's dad at the, the party and this and that. I said, I was that child. But when I got into sports, my dad never hardly ever missed a game. He always came to my games. He'd block out his schedule, but he couldn't nice. go to the pizza joint afterwards or the pool party on the weekends after the game. He always had to go back to the salon. Yep. And so I fought his life when I first got into the business because I, I thought that's what success had to look like was his model. And so I didn't plan. I didn't prepare. I just worked and I kind of laid back. I, I always say I paced myself for success. Well, before I knew it, I didn't have any money and a lot of time. And then fast forward a couple of years later, I woke up one day and I'm like, holy crap, man, I've had four 14 hour days this week. And then I literally counted and I had 320 clients. And I'm like, guess what, son? I'm my dad. dad. And I was like, that was not what I signed up for. But here I am. Yeah. And it was fast forward some years later when I got so I, I was I felt I was a good artist. Um, not good at, in the early days at all. I, I tried to quit cosmetology school three times in the early, in the early several months because coming from sports, sports came easy to me as a baseball player. And then I got drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates and that's when I went to cosmetology school after I tore my rotator cuff shortly after that. So sports was a natural gift from God. Um, hair cosmetology was not a gift from God to me at all. And I was struggling because I was watching these women touch these mannequin heads and make something out of it. I was watching most of the guys touch these mannequin heads and make something out of it. And I was kicking my doll head off the third story balcony at my cosmetology school in the parking lot because I couldn't make (laughs) something out of it. And my dad said, son, 
I can tell you're struggling. What's the struggle? I'm like, I walked you guys here in the salon every day when I come home, when I come to the salon after school and you guys just touch hair and it like does stuff. I said, I do it and it just goes, bleh, just flop. <laughs> and he goes, well, the women already have 20 plus years on you, Oscar. And the most of the guys, they've probably been dabbling in hair a lot longer than you have as well. So you need to find a system that you can relate to for yourself. And he like, he, I didn't even know it at the time, but he kind of freed me. He made me look at things differently than I currently was. And over the next weeks, I found my, because I couldn't get like a perm rod to lay on base for the life of me. I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And then all of a sudden, I don't even know what happened, but I just subconsciously started to section differently, think differently. Make it your own, yeah. Think longer instead of just doing actions. I yeah. planned a little bit more before I dove in. And all those things led me up to understanding that systems are what it takes to be more successful in life and in business, for sure in business. And so I, I gravitated to that as a system. And then I, I guess I had a natural knack for color. I always like, I love color of the world, but I never knew that I actually understood the foundation of color um, with our primaries and secondaries and tertiaries before I even knew what those words meant. I understood that you can mix this, this and get that. And so I remember like six months in, my dad's asking me to help him formulate. And I'm like, why are you asking me? You've been doing this for like ever and I've been here for 10 minutes. He goes, you don't even get it, son. You already got, you don't even know what you don't know yet. And I was like, wow. So that kind of built some confidence for me too. And, and then I just kind of ran with it and I had this huge passion towards color. And then on a chance meeting at a country Western store, of all places looking at boots i'm talking to this one woman who's looking at a pair of boots the next thing i know i'm selling her too and and she goes you'd be so good in my industry and i'm like what's your industry she goes i'm in the i'm in the hair industry i said so am i she goes yeah right and at this time i was in my country phase right so i'm there in my jeans and my boots and my little western shirt and she goes yeah right i said no seriously she goes you're a hairstylist i said yeah she goes where i said at valencian associates she goes, Valencia and Associates? I said, I'm Oscar Valencia Jr. She goes, you're Oscar's son? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, you're hired. I'm like, who are you? She goes, I'm the Western Regional Educational Director for L'Oreal. And I'm wow. like, oh, that's crazy. I'm like, you're who I've wanted to work for. <laughs> and that's it was amazing. so, it was so random, Elaine. And then boom, she literally hired me, took, put me through color keys, one, two, three, and four. And she saved my career and life, in my opinion by elevating me to being exposed to a world that I always wanted to be part of, but didn't know how to get in. I and love that story. I never knew that about you. Not, not a lot of people do. It was so random and it was so wonderful. And, and that just bred and built this amazing confidence in, in me to be the strongest colorist I can be at that time. Well, let's go back. Great- let's go back to the injury because that's devastating. You know, when you when sports comes naturally and you're getting drafted and you see yourself as this professional baseball player, I currently have a torn rotator cuff and I know how painful it is Chronic. and such a big surgery and you're never really the same afterwards, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I have both torn now. Oh, geez, oh, my live, mom live, does too. <laughs> yeah, I live with it daily. Oh, did you feel that? 
because baseball was your passion and that that was no more, did you almost feel like you had to follow your dad? Do you think in the beginning stages that you weren't feeling comfortable because you almost felt like you had to do it and you didn't have another outlet for what great, you wanted to do? Great question, Elaine. You're making me reflect on some things. Um, there's emotion around all that too, which is probably going to hit me. <laughs> I can imagine. It, it was losing a dream. <clears throat> wow, you little girl, you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and coming to grips with, fuck, I just lost my goddamn best dream I had in my life. Exactly. Speak my language, but that's how I felt at that time and still do at times. Um, it taught me life isn't fair. Um, it was a co-dream that I had with my childhood best friend who in this ex exact period of time was basically dying of leukemia. Oh. And our dream was dying. But more so, my dad started talking about selling and retiring and getting out of the business. And this salon and building had been our family and provider for our family. And my sister who worked in the industry at that point didn't really want any part of it. And I'm like, you're just gonna let the family business go? Mm. So I was a market, I was in college as a marketing major. And I always thought if I ever got into the family business, it'd be about running it, not like working the chair. Right. Well, when my dad started to mention retiring and, and selling and my sister didn't want it, I walked around in a daze for about three weeks. Um, my shoulder had just been shot. I knew my baseball days were pretty much done. And three weeks later, I left college and went to cosmetology school to mm -hmm. kind of save the family business. Um, so it wasn't this dream and total aspiration I had to get into the industry. I did it to probably save the family business and, and then fell in love with it and then got good and then got better and then maybe even got great. And, but that's because my my spirit of sports took over and my competitive drive took over and I wanted to be something beyond average. And that requires surrounding yourself with people who are doing it bigger, better, faster than you are. And the people in my dad's salon were some amazing talents. So I literally got to come in every day after school and I was, I was exposed to 18 freaking amazing rock star stylists of all kinds of hair and services and cultures. Um, and it, I learned a lot of things of what to do and a whole lot of what not to do from observing people and how they treat people. Um, but yeah, you know, coming back to your question, it, I didn't feel like I had to get into the family business. I chose and wanted to eventually. Um, because I was just kind of lost at that time. And then when I lost my best friend, um, I, I was about a year into the business at that point. And that truly affected me for years. Mm. It's, been, it's been like 32 years since he's passed. I just lost my dad two years ago as well. And, uh, but it, it's, it, I love this industry. I watched my dad do it so freaking hard, Elaine, busting mm -hmm. his ass every day. And that was probably the transition at about nine or 10 years into, the, into my career. I was an artist and I felt I was a good artist. I did not play the business game. I did not understand the numbers game. 
um, much like you with your our good friend Donna. She's the number Nazi man. She's in she our faces. Is. <laughs> she, she is in our faces about numbers. And I know your thing with her is like, fuck that, I'm the artist. You oh know? my God, and, I hate it. I hate numbers. It's awful. And I could relate to that as well back then. But I immersed myself and, and got exposed to some business companies in the industry. So I'm teaching classes around San Diego now as a platform artist and educator. And then I keep hearing about this company called Building Champions at the time. And this girl, Lauren Gartland. Well, I knew Lauren Gartland to be this sales rep for Paul Mitchell in San Diego. So I knew mm -hmm. of her. I knew what she looked like. I knew kind of knew her name, but I never met her personally. And then people are like, you got to go take this class. You got to go take this class. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Fast forward. I finally end up meeting her. We ended up not meeting through her class. We ended up on a committee together for a, um, a fashion show, breast cancer fundraiser that a mutual friend of ours was putting on. And she wanted me to be in charge of the models and the color. And she wanted Lauren to help with the vision and mission statement. So we met in these committee meetings. Fast, long story short, I ended up going to Lauren's class. I ended up really buying into her class. I ended up becoming... A, a part of her company. I was the vice president of the company. We ended up taking it from a little San Diego company when I met her and I helped her take it national. And we were treading a path that nobody had really done so far as far as coaching and mentoring and business. And we made it up as we went along and turned it into a multi-million dollar company. And I had the most phenomenal experience in life doing that for so many tens of thousands of stylists I've been able to help <clears throat> hundreds and hundreds of owners. I've been in hundreds and hundreds of salons and I've seen a lot. I don't know if I've seen it all, but I've seen a lot. And there's a whole lot of commonalities within our industry and going back to, you know, the fears, like our very thing, our very beginning of the conversation. So many people are fear, they're fear, but they're, they're don't, they don't even know what they're afraid of yet. It's the unknowns. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the fear of understanding color. Like you're the master master, and you know ninety eight percent of us go back and our 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 thing is our master is we go in the back room and pray to the freaking color gods, right? <laughs> Versus you know what your expect what your results are going to be. <laughs> Everybody else goes back and go, come on, let, let's get there, please. And it's not it's not okay. You have to find the people that know what you don't. Hire them get close to them, be part of their world so they can teach you. They were not born with that information either. So exactly. I've, my experience with people like yourself, people that I've surrounded in my world, you know, I drop names sometimes not to impress people, but almost to remind me that those people helped you. So who are you going to now help Oscar? Yep. And there's not, you know, people on the scale of Van Council here in Atlanta that has the nine salons. He's a great friend of mine. Eric Fisher is one of my brothers as well in Wichita, Kansas, with now four salons and his own academy. Um, Frank Gambuza. I'm talking some heavy, heavy hitters in the industry that weren't like saying, hey, Oscar, why don't you come have a seat at our table? Nobody ever invited me to the freaking table. So I kind of got obnoxious and, and started making people be my friend. <laughs> I hear you. I do the same thing. It's at, you, if you'll never know if you don't ask. Well, I've you literally coined a, the... I coined a phrasing around that. Uh, my best friend, Dave, in San Diego, sells like high-end accounting software for companies of like 5,000 employees and more. 
And so he goes after two and three and $4 million contracts in his sales life. Well, years ago, he's like, dude, I'm thinking about going after this $12 million deal. And I'm like, what do you mean thinking about it? He goes, well, that's, that's like a big deal. And I'm like, okay. So he goes, I said, why aren't you, why aren't you pursuing it stronger? He goes, well, most companies probably already have something, so they may not need us. And they'll, you know, there's very likely that I'll get a no. And I, I think I had my 15 seconds of brilliance in that moment. Cause what popped out of my mouth was dude, it's already a no, if you don't ask. And it was one of those moments he went, what? And I was like, like, did I just hear that come out of my mouth? Awesome. And I said, so I true. said it again. I said, it's already a no, if you don't ask. I said, what can happen if they say yes? He goes, all my kids go to college. I said, what can happen if they say no? He goes, I'm right back to where I am. And I said, and you're right back to where you, where you are. You're making about a quarter, quarter mil a year as it is, dude. So that's not the worst place that people could be is back to where you are. But the possibility of that yes has such a different reward factor. Isn't that motivation enough to go? Because I promise you with the no, your sun is still going to come up in the morning. Your moon's going to come out at night. Your life will not change with the no. Your life will change with the yes. I love that. And we've kind of modeled. He goes, can we take this philosophy into the clubs with the women? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. We have a friend who says that. He's like, it's all a numbers game. If I talk to 20 girls, one of them's going to come home with me. Well, especially at two in the morning after you bought her 10 drinks, right? When the, when the freight lights come on. Oh, my God. Scaring. <laughs> but it's true. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. I've taught my kids that. You know, yeah. we would be, we were out at a restaurant and they had a table set up off to the side. And it was one of those radio promotions where they okay. had T-shirts and stickers and all kinds of stuff. My son was about 10 years old. And the whole time we're having dinner, he keeps looking over, looking over, looking over. I said, what are you looking at? He said, they have stuff over there. And, the, and I said, so walk over and introduce yourself and ask them what they're doing. I can't do that. I said, that's what they're here for. They want you to go over. So he's the only one that walked up to the table. So he gets, you know, a, a CD, a t-shirt, a bumper. St- like he came back with all this stuff and he's like, wow. And I said, that's what life's all about. Go introduce yourself, shake their hand, firm handshake, look them in the eye. Hi, my name's yeah. Jack. That's wow. how it all starts. And he's an amazing kid now because He's always the first one to introduce himself with the firm handshake and put himself out there. Yeah. It makes all the difference. It's crazy how a little I, I lo- thing I like confidence. <laughs> Correct. You know, I, somebody proposed this to me probably two years ago now, Elaine, and it was random question. And they said, what came first, Oscar, success or confidence? Mm. I don't know that I've literally in two years been able to answer it because I don't know that there is a correct answer. I was raised as a child, like you're instilling that confidence with your son. How old was he at that time? You said 10? 10. Okay. So I was probably seven and eight as I started to get into Little League. <clears throat> and I grew up with my parents kind of instilling confidence in me. They used to say stuff, son, you can be anything. You can do anything. You can have anything in life if you just. And what do you think they said? Try and work hard right yeah so that's what they said 10 minutes later i would say something and my mom's like child we're not rich money doesn't grow on trees who do you think we are the rockefellers <laughs> i'm like shit mom 10 minutes ago i could have anything be anything, do anything. anything. <laughs> and now and now we're broke what the hell <laughs> but so it was like you know they built it's this confusing conf- yeah so, so they built true. this little confidence in me and then 
So I get into sports and little league and, you know, did I have natural talent? Maybe I knew how to throw a ball like decently. Um, I didn't understand the game yet. I was eight, but everything built upon things. And so next thing you know, you, you hit the ball and that creates a little, that, that's called success. I got a hit, which builds the confidence. So now the next time I'm up to bat, I'm, I'm walking up with confidence, right? I'm strolling up to bat. I have a little bit of confidence. Maybe I fail. So now I didn't succeed. And then maybe my confidence drops again until the next opportunity I have. The great thing about sports is there's always another, the next minute is another opportunity. Great, same thing about life. You'll never, nobody that you look at whoever is at the top of their mountain, nobody arrived there without failures. Nobody. Nobody's at the top with only successes because there's no lessons in that. So they never would have got there. You look at every lesson you have in life that's important to you. It did not come from a victory, in my opinion. Yeah. It came from being defeated and figuring out a way past it. And so that might be in our conversation world right now. You effed up a color. Will you do it again? Do you know how to get out of it? Do you know what you did wrong? Why did you end up with that result? And if you don't know, find the people who do know like yourself, get educated and coached up so the next time you come at that same type of situation, A, you have some confidence, B, you have a much better plan, and you have an expectation of an end result, not a hope and a prayer. And that's the distinction of moving up that ladder. Because I know people 30, 40 years into the business that haven't been to a class since the day they graduated from cosmetology mm, school. Too many of those, for Oh, sure. correct. You know, big time. And it shows in their look, in their appearance, in the in their way, in the hairstyle they're wearing, and certainly in the work they're producing. Well, it goes and back to I've what you said about the, the mountain, where you said when people are at the top of their mountain, some people, to your point, they had no failures to get to where they were, and they felt that they were the most successful, not knowing there's a whole other level, and they got to that level easily and just stayed. Yeah. So they're Correct. still doing the same techniques, the same everything. They're almost afraid to go to a class and learn because then they're going to feel dumb again Correct. and feel uncomfortable. And then it's going to make them feel bad about themselves where they're like, if I just stay right here. And I would say, safely say, more than 50% of our industry is there, stuck yeah. in that. But I'm successful. I'm yeah. paying my bills. There's a roof over my head. My kids are you know, well taken care of. But there's a whole other level that they could have reached if they got just a little bit uncomfortable talk right. about your bricks i love your your whole brick before, before i come to the bricks let me if i could piggyback on what you just sure. said that so i was about to say like you and you said it for me there's people who have achieved success and they've done it in a way they don't even know how they did it so mm -hmm. a it's not repeatable they couldn't coach somebody else to be successful like them so you're right they might have had many victories along the way and ended up on top of a mountain and I have this when I teach my classes I have this little philosophy I talk about that I in my team building workshops I teach this concept called when is it good enough and it's a whole thing based on mm, other I activities <laughs> and, yeah, yeah when, when is it good enough so the analogy to that in my team building is how many of us have ever heard of blockbuster videos and many of us still remember blockbuster and what were they they were brick and mortar well, what came along that kind of created the competition to Blockbuster? And I'll ask you that. And Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Netflix. 
So boom, here comes Netflix. They're this little video rental thing that you can put in the mail and get your DVDs mailed to you per monthly membership. So they're changing the model and landscape. So Wayne Huizinga, who owned um, who owned Blockbuster along with the Miami Dolphins and he owns waste management. So the man's a multi-billionaire, but he owned he owned this this company. Netflix offers to them to buy them out. And 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 Wayne's like, no, we're good. We're good enough. Mm. Fast forward three years later, Wayne Huizinga is is bankrupt blockbusters there's one left in alaska one brick and mortar left in alaska oh wow the only one in the country left and you know netflix is a multi-billion dollar company now and that's what happens when we get settled at good so i talk about we're on our way up this mountain of life and success however i believe about halfway up most mountains is the most killer reclining share of your life (laughs) and everybody stops at it and they get there and they lay back and they put it in deep recline and it like hugs them like arms around them and the view is spectacular. And they're like, oh shit, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good right here. And like you said, they don't even know there's another mountain. So some people who even get to the top, I use analogies of big mountains, right? So you're on top of your mountain and it's cloudy all around you, but you're at the top but you don't see through those clouds that just over the horizon is another even bigger mountain with amazing, better views, et cetera, et cetera. But we get locked in. We get locked in at good. And then transitioning to the brick story. So again, my company is called breaking down your walls and I was never out to build a company. You know, I had a pretty good gig with my old company doing, making a difference for thousands of people a year. And In this dream, I had a dream many years ago, the company I started about five years ago, but I had a dream probably 12 years ago. And I guess I was pondering before I went to sleep that night, what stops us in life? And in my dream, um, it was something started to appear and it was like a big blurry object off in the distance. And as it moved closer and got clearer in my dream, I could tell that it was a wall. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, our walls stop us. But it kept moving closer and closer to me. So now it's getting closer and clearer and I can see it's a brick wall. And in my dream, these bricks had words on it. Commitment, consistency, action, follow through, love, dedication, understanding. I mean, it was like popcorn going off in my head and it woke me up, literally. I looked at my side table. It was 3.18 on a Tuesday morning. I run upstairs to my office I break out my flip chart. I start making all these lines and squares and putting all these words that are in my head into these squares. I had no idea what this was, Elaine. I didn't know what to do with it. 40 minutes later, I'm out of words in my head, but I got a bunch of empty boxes still. So I grab my, um, I can roll my camera. I I won't turn it, but right over here is a bookshelf with all my inspiration books. So I grab Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, and I just start opening books and stealing some words and filling some boxes. Well, another 20 minutes or so, they're all filled up. And then I counted them and there happened to be 90. And the first, I had a title, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I like to play t- word games and word stuff. So a title popped in my mind literally in that second. And it was turn your life around 180 degrees in 90 days. Okay, what is this? What, what am I going to do with this? What is this? And I didn't know. And I did nothing. And that was okay. <clears throat> Fast forward some months later, 
um, I was just starting to get on Facebook. So it was a brand new year and it was like January 4th of the new year. I had just moved into a new place um, a few months before that. And I took the, the folded up flip chart paper and I taped it to my wall and I'm staring down this thing for like two weeks, like just organically, you know, God, whoever speak to me and tell me what this is and what to do with it. So about January 4th, I, I looked at a word and, and a word just popped off that sheet and the word was momentum. And I started typing in a Facebook post. Hey, you know, happy new year. It's January 4th. How are you doing with your new year's resolutions? Are you on track or have you already lost momentum? Period. Start with something small, create a victory, try cleaning your closet. I did. And now I can see all my clothes and they're color coordinated and I love it. That was day one. Day two. Today, I take my momentum and I turn it into my new word, consistency. I'm picking up after myself, this and that. And I'm on the way to the gym right now. How about you? So that was kind of my first week, just exploring. Second week, I start writing a word and the, and the definition of that word. So now, the, you know, so here's, you know, here's an example. I'm showing you the bricks on this. I know we're on a podcast, but we're doing this on a video. So each word has a word, a definition, and an inspirational quote on each one. They look like a brick on the front, and the back has the words. So here's passionate. And passionate says, having compelled by or ruled by intense emotion or strong feelings. So I, would, I wrote something like that on, on the next week. It was just a word and a definition. Week three, I did the word, a definition, and then I started to create an intention for myself with that word. And so like passion, I would read the definition and like today I'm really going to focus on being passionate in my life to myself and to others. What are you going to do? And I'll, it just started that third to fourth week. All of a sudden I start getting these DMs and messages and phone calls like, oh my God, Oscar, something happened today. And I almost did this and your word popped in my head mm. and I did that. Mm. And I'm like, holy crap, am I on to something here? And I never pushed it, Elaine. I did a training with this woman. Oprah used to call her America's dream coach. Her name is uh, Marsha Marsha Weeder. Marsha Weeder. I just was with her today, and I and I uh, oh, I did. Marsha's on, amazing. On, on create your future now. Mm -hmm. So I did that same call last week. So that's the first time she just came out of the woodwork after four she years. She did. Well, she moved. She was in Italy for a while. Now she's now in she's Portugal. In, yeah. She's in Lisbon. Correct. So I took a training from her years ago when she was in California, and we were in Irvine. And Lauren and Lance Courtney asked if they can join me. It happened. Well, I found out about her from Lance. So that's oh, exactly, that's, yeah, small world. Yeah, he's the yeah, one he's, that said, hey, she's going to be in your neighborhood. You should go. And I went. It was amazing. Great work. Oh, that's so cool. So she, yeah. So I found her um, accidentally on YouTube. And then it happened to be her course was on a weekend that we were not traveling. And at that time, I was on the road like 38 weeks a year. So to find a weekend that I was open was just miracle. And I told, you know, Lance and Lauren that I was going and then Lance is like, dude, can I fly out? I'll meet you there. And I'm like, yeah. And then Lauren, the last minute decides she wants to come. And we all go up to this event together. And I always say who inspires the inspirers, right? And people of Lance's caliber and Lauren Gartland and people like yourself who are high level trainers. Who trains us better have the shit together because <laughs> right. they'll, they'll lose our attention in two seconds flat. Right. And I'm not trying to be a snob. I'm just saying we've been to so many and seen so much that, you know, it takes a different type of person to really engage us differently. 
And Marsha was that type of person for me. But her thing about dreams is most, many times we have a dream and as human beings, what happens is we have a dream and then damn it, we have to go to solution like right now and figure this thing out. And what happens is we squelch the dream, she says. So I kept, Marsha kept channeling through me through this whole process. So from the inception of the, literally the dream of the bricks to a flip chart paper, to them going onto little three by five cards, to them actually becoming a graphic artist thing, and where they actually became a product called the bricks was a couple years probably that it took mm -hmm. to get to that point. But in that time and process, I not only had the bricks, I started to create the do-it-yourself coaching workbook. That's the upgrade that goes with it. And then I immersed myself in the experiential team building world um, 10, 11 years ago or so. And now I'm like, oh my God, this is all together. Coming together, bricks. yeah. And it formed a company, not this little product. And it was by me not squelching the dream. Now, having said that to all you listeners who are looking at this going, oh, cool, that's my excuse to not have to do anything for a couple of years. I was still doing plenty along the way, right. finding ways to filter this versus, being, um, pro versus procrastinating and being lazy. Um, but these are probably 90 of the most powerful words you could imagine. And, you know, we're on, we're on emotional roller coasters every day. We're ebbs and flows mm -hmm. and we're hills and valleys. So we all hit a valley. And what happens when we're in that valley? Some people, as Lance would say, buy real estate and stay there. And some people do something to get there out of that valley. Well, there, it is said that we have three states of being. There's more than that, but the three most people talk about are the three states of being physical, mental, and emotional. If you change one, you can change them all. And the easiest one to change is physical. So by knowing that you've hit a low, you're in a lull, a client just dumped their whole life on your lap, you're emotionally drained. If you're an empath, you're like going insane right now. And now what? Because you got another client coming in that door in 30 minutes and you haven't even been able to watch this one off you yet. I physically go to my little zipper bag my nylon bag where I keep my bricks, I'll reach in there, I'll grab three words and you know, imagine receiving a word like perspective, spontaneous and worthy. Just right there, I feel different. And now when I read that word and I read the definition and then I'll read the emotion, I'll read the, um, the inspirational quote. So on perspective, the Dalai Lama says, happiness is not something ready-made. It comes from our own actions. So I just made you think differently. Instead of staying in your poor me little thing, or, oh, my God, that sucked, or that client was a mess, I'm already on to my next thoughts, which are going to be positive ones. And we control those thoughts. So the I love the name of my company, Breaking Down Your Walls. And we all have them. And unfortunately, everybody that has their walls, you're the one who built your walls. Now, having said that, 99% of us who have walls built them for a reason, and it was for safety. Mm -hmm. Most people who have walls up, something happened to them. Something was said to them. Something was done to them. I am not minimizing anybody's life experience. That shit sucks. Mm -hmm. However, what happens with our walls and how we construct them is before we know it, we've made them so big, so thick, so high, so strong. And what's the strongest places of walls in the world for protection and safety? 
What do we want to be the strongest fortresses for, for people? And it's know. prisons, in my opinion. It's prison. Oh, I was going to say, the first thing I thought of was prison. <laughs> yeah, no. prison. So these walls we originally built to protect us, sometimes our eventually prison. become our prison and we can't get out. And we built them. So I can't break down your walls, Elaine. You can't break down my walls. But once we start to identify what these walls are, then we can start to make some choices. So like in my um, do-it-yourself coaching workbook, there's one page that I have you start to identify. What are the walls holding you back? Fear. We talked about that as your first opening line. Fear, procrastination, uncertainty, lack of money, lack of motivation, lazy, crazy, anything. All these things are in your head and they're in your heart. But if we get them on paper, acknowledge that these are them, now we can start to look at how do I counter those with something else. And that's the power of the bricks and the, and the workbook. That's just one component of the workbook. It's also identifying your top 10 goals, your actions, what would stop you, by when do you want to achieve these goals. Um, it's also a, uh, it's the list of what are your walls, I had, a, I had a coach years ago. His name was Gary Ryan Blair. His company is called The Goals Guy, G-O-A-L-S. And um, he taught me the segment called Creating a Contract with Yourself. Mm. We sign contracts with other people. We have other people sign contracts with us. And I often say, so if you had a contract with yourself, do you think you'd show up differently to your life and to the world? So you can reach me and find all my products at www.breakingdownyourwalls.com. And that's my website. Um, you can reach me at um, ohair64 at hotmail.com as an email. And all my information is also on my website and Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, that all sounds amazing. And I love hearing your passion, you know, it may not have been your childhood dream, but that new dream found you and this is what you were meant to do. So, it's so all, all ended well, regardless of, of what you thought that dream looked like. And I love, I love that story and, and how passionate you are for the what's industry. Really, what's really funny you. is just a couple of days ago, January 4th or 5th or something like that was the anniversary of me getting drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. And it came up on my memories. And I posted that. I'm like, well, you know, this was my first major lost dream. And the comments of people said, well, I'm so sorry that you experienced that loss. Not to sound mean, but I'm so grateful that you did because you got to help me or you've helped thousands and this and that. So it was like, exactly. God has, you know, they say, if you want to hear God laugh, just tell him your dream. Tell him your dream. <laughs> exactly. I love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I can't wait to check out your brick exercise. I have a few bricks I need to contend with myself. So. <laughs> a few walls. <laughs> a few, few walls, few bricks, few walls, all the, all of the above. So thank you so much for today. And thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You all keep following this woman. She is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.